0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Letterman Row. This is another Letterman Live brought to you by our good friends at Roosters. It's a fun, casual Ohio State conversation. I am Austin Ward. You know Jeremy Birmingham, my colleague. The man is back down there to attack and dominate, Anthony Schlegel. And for the first time, we've got the former Ohio State NFL wide receiver, Dane Sonsenbacher, in the uh, virtual building with us. Dane, so we'll start with you. Hope you're doing all right. Thanks for joining us for the first time. And uh, it looks like you're staying safe there in the home quarantine
1: yeah just like everybody else, I guess we're getting through it the best we can. I like uh, all the modifications you guys have made to make this feel like roosters, but we'll we'll make the best yeah it's yeah no well. no carry
0: out food and no mac and cheese bites for me this week but we'll we'll make make that up for for anybody who hasn't uh you know followed you since uh wrapping up with the Bengals there, Dane, what have you been up to, and uh what brings you back to hang out with us
1: yeah I've had a little bit of a a little bit of a journey I bounced around tried a few different things um, when I left Cincinnati I was back in Toledo for the past you know three or four years um, two years on the air as a TV news reporter started off in sports decided to go into the, like, the general news side so it's a little bit weird for our Toledo viewers but cause it was about a year after and I'm reporting on you know house fires or whatever breaking news there might be um, so did that for a couple years to get some experience um, after that, I bounced over. I was the director of admissions at my former high school in Toledo. So another 180 from that. Um, and after that, I, uh, about a couple months ago, decided to move back down to Columbus. So in moving back down to Columbus was kind of reconnecting with people that I hadn't talked to in probably too long. Um, and then this came up, I hadn't even followed Letterman row or how this has kind of grown. It's been crazy. Well, We'll and sure. I just got to
2: ask you, how did you celebrate 419 Day yesterday? I no, assume you did.
1: You assume wrong. I didn't even realize. Ah, man. I'm always wrong when I assume sure I'm sure, I'm sure there wasn't much going on in Toledo. No, uh, there wasn't. You're right. Due to the quarantine. But yeah, that's yeah, usually a big thing up there. I didn't even see it. We'll edit that part out so our Northwest Ohio people don't. <laughs>
2: Dang, we Toledoans are used to feeling alienated. It's fine.
1: Yeah, I just kind of
0: shoved up there in the top. Yeah, of his- we're it, fine. It, it didn't take long for you two to for Berm to take this over. All Listen, he's talking about is, you know, he he throws away the professional side when we talk about you and how how many autographs he was going to get at Roosters. Toledo,
2: <laughs> there are very few people who've ever come through Toledo area football that played the game as well as Dane Sanzenberger. Wow. I mean, Damn. let's just call it like call it like it is. I mean. He single-handedly he won't admit it I'll just say it for him he single-handedly won a state championship at Central Catholic his high school coach is one of my high school baseball coaches I feel very uh, interwoven to, to Greg Dempsey and to, I, I didn't go to Central but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what matters is that Toledo is now winning this conversation fifty percent of and this the is why
1: I had to leave Toledo because you have people talking like that to you too much you can really your, your, right. head, your head gets a little
2: too big. I, I'm, I'm, so a Bengals, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Bengals fan. I could care less about what you did in Cincinnati, oh, yeah. but I, how you how you handled you know Solin and Brandon Sane and those guys back in 20 2006 yeah.
1: and seven. I appreciate it. It's been it was a,
2: incredible. It was an incredible run. So congratulations.
1: Thank you. 12, and that's kind of how the Toledo stuff got woven in, and I ended up in so many different fields. Um, most of it related to um, my past in football. So that's how the news gig started. It transformed into general news, started in sports. Um, Same thing with my alma mater. They wanted somebody in there who had been a part of the school, somewhat notable. Um, But after like three or four years, I, I wanted to get back down to central Ohio, try something new, do something different. So kind of pulled the trigger a few months ago and reconnected with Schlegel for yep. a brief moment in his, in his mad laboratory. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's pretty much been my, um, my post-Cincinnati life. It's been strange. It's been a learning experience. It's been weird, as it is for a lot of players going out of the game back into something completely different. you got to kind of find your bearings, but it's been cool.
0: If Berm is going to keep pumping you up, we'll at least have to bring Schlag's in to bring you back to reality, right? I know. It's a matter of time.
3: No, I mean, like, then this is where people don't understand how, I mean, how beautiful the brotherhood of Ohio State football is because we all obviously try to go to the next level and play there. And then what happens with life after football? And in my shop, like, I just got whiteboards, right? So it's it's all about going in and trying to help each other figure out how i could add value right because at the end of the day every time we go to work like what you guys are doing like you just want to add value and then we get out and it's like okay i was on this team i had all my teammates i was a leader how can i take this skill set that i have and translate it into the workforce but still you know have that feeling of team and adding value and collaborating like all these different things like where can i best put myself in that position
1: yeah, it's a, It's definitely, a, it's been kind of refreshing in a, I guess, selfish way to reconnect with people and see that for a lot of athletes, it's a, it's a, that transition is strange. They try to kind of prep you for it, but going from, you know, the top of your game to having to start as a rookie and whatever you're going to do again, because whatever the new thing you start is, you might have confidence in yourself, but you're brand new and you got to, you know, reprove that. Um, And you know, a part of even the Toledo thing and wanting to move back to central Ohio is kind of what you mentioned earlier, is that there's not a whole lot, there are a few people that you can bounce it off of, but there's not a whole lot of people from northwest Ohio that uh, I could talk to about that thing. Well, central Ohio, a lot of my former teammates are back there. A lot of uh, guys who have gone through the same things can make that transition uh, a lot easier so it's probably easier for me and a better move to be in central Ohio. Not that I don't love Toledo. It's my hometown, but uh, it's just fewer people that have been in I, my, you don't of-
2: have to apologize. I get it. I mean, I, I get it.
1: Yes, yeah, right, so right,
2: We're
0: not going to let Burn take over that anymore with,
1: I the- will say this before we, before we move on
2: back in the day, when Dave was being recruited, he went on this bus trip with Teddy Ginn senior and these guys and went around the country mm-hmm. and myself and my brother we are big message board guys, and we remembered stumping for you to get an Ohio State offer every single stop. We were like, Why aren't the Buckeyes offering this kid? Why aren't the Buckeyes offering this kid? He's the best player in Ohio. And then they finally did, and then you scored touchdowns in your first game as a true freshman. and I was like,
1: Yes, I am vindicated. Fortunately, fortunately, I had Ted Ginn Sr. to stump for me. So now that yours wasn't yeah. yours oh, was get big enough. That's honestly what it took, and it was at the end of that bus tour. I found this out years later when Trestle was doing a speaking engagement that because I wasn't even on Ohio State's radar, um, in fact, they were loosely recruiting um, Coach Tressel's brother, Doc, who was our running backs coach at the time, was my recruiter, pretty much talked to Coach Dempsey and said, you know, I don't, we don't really have a spot for him. We'll keep an eye on him. It wasn't till the end of that bus tour, Ted Ginn Sr. got the ear of Coach Tressel gave him the okay and it was a day later so yeah,
2: yeah.
1: it was the blessing from him that kind of really changed my path it was the oddest thing I didn't find that out until a few years ago um, Trestle told that story and nobody had ever told me that's how it happened I just got an offer one day and thought I was it was totally because of I don't know um, my yeah. play at a camp that really didn't matter it was more of a play, it was a recommendation yeah
0: Well, thank God it was his recommendation and not Berms, because otherwise this show would never hear the end of it.
1: Uh, (laughs) That's
2: true. That's true.
0: There is another uh, batch of Ohio State guys trying to make a professional transition this week, and it's certainly not uh, the ideal uh, NFL draft experience for them. It hasn't been – there was not a pro day for them. They've had to do a bunch of Zoom meetings like this, which surely is not the best way to talk to uh, GMs and scouts and coaches around the league. But – Ohio State's got another, uh, looks like, record-setting draft class. We've got They're, they're going to have a little bit of claim there to Joe Burrow, probably number one. Chase Young should be going number two, in my opinion. Jeff Okuda at three. That's a pretty – that's wild. Those guys were all on the same team two years ago. Could be the first three picks in the draft. Uh, as you guys uh, look ahead to Thursday night and Friday and Saturday in this Ohio State draft class, who are you most intrigued by, Schlage, uh as – as somebody who can help at the next level.
3: Man, that's – so start listing them off, bro. Uh, <laughs> All right, yeah, so – Austin, start listing them off.
0: You got the top three there. It. I'm you not got the wider receiver group that, that Dane can talk about. Austin yep. Mack, Ben Victor, K.J. Hill, offensive lineman Jonah Jackson, Brandon Bowen, uh, J.K. Dobbs in the backfield, Damon Arnett, Jordan Fuller, Malik Harrison. So many. Uh, Sean Cornell, uh, Robert Landers, Devon Hamilton – uh, Rashad, Harry, all these guys have a chance to be drafted this week.
3: Yeah, so I'm thinking – I'm leaning toward Jonah Jackson and probably – I mean, I think that J.K. is a guy, obviously, that could help out because I think his game correlates, and we saw that this last year. I mean, the speed uh, – he obviously has the breakaway speed, but just his ability to hit the hole really quickly is something that we all like from Zeke. And I think this last year really showed that he grew in his patience – but as far as, like, positions from Ohio State that correlate right to the NFL, right out the gate, Jonah Jackson's the guy that stands out in my opinion. Uh, opinion One, older guy came here, understands what it means just to come into a locker room, win it over, and win a job. Uh, so I really think him going to the next level is the opportunity because there's a lot. I mean, he's not a, you know, prototypical uh, – guard in the sense like a Andrew Nor- Norwell, 6'7", 330 pounds, right? He's a little bit shorter in stature, but he is ultra-aggressive. And in that league, those guys can stay there for a long period of time. So, to me, the number one guy that I'm looking at that's kind of like under the radar would be Jonah.
0: Dane, who you got? I,
1: let's keep it simple with Chase. <laughs> I, I just think – you know, outside, I think all these guys, the cool thing about this transition and, you know, having the perspective of gone, going through it, it is kind of a reset. And there can be – I know there's – all of these guys are going to have a chance when they step into camp to make that difference. It, it could be a first-round guy. It could be a later-round guy. Um, I just think, like, in my experience, Cam Hayward was – he was our only first-rounder in my year. Um, and was able to step in on a, in a defensive line and make an impact right away. So you see that happen on D lines. You see defensive players or defensive linemen going, defensive ends going early in the draft and making impacts right away. Um, But I think this is, you know, going back to how strange this year is with obviously the circumstances having to do a lot of this, um, it it might be good for him. I, I, you know, it's, that was the most, I don't want to say annoying. It was the most, it was the most stressful part of that process. And one that it, it doesn't move the needle that much. In my opinion, I mean the, the what these guys are lucky. They have the tape, all, all these GMs, these people, they, they want to talk to them. They want to get a feel for them, but whatever they have on tape in college is going to make that decision for them. Um, And to be able to kind of avoid that part, um, kind of focus on what is upcoming, uh, you know, I can't say I really miss the opportunity of like sitting in the meetings with these GMs at the combine and at pro days and doing all that. Um, I mean, they're football players. They know they, they, they play the game. They have the tape, um, you know, they've made plays throughout their careers or we wouldn't be talking about them now. These GMs know who they are. Um, So it's a cool situation. I think, uh, you know, guys could benefit from it.
0: Yeah, I kind of wonder along those lines where if Ohio State guys have this incredible film and a lot of it is against elite competition, you you always see this draft process where scouts and GMs fall in love with guys who have a great combine or, you know, Mm -hmm. they're, they're really trying to dig under a rock to find that small school guy. You know, these teams like the New Orleans Saints that just are like, hey, let's keep drafting Buckeyes because they've played in big-time games, that tends to be working out. So maybe, you know, they'll be in this situation this week where they can't overthink it. They had a limited amount of research they could do, and they actually rely on the game film. That would seem to help
1: Ohio State guys. That's a great one. And one that I hadn't really thought of. But that is because a lot of – this is weird for the NFL guys too. I just talked to one of my former teammates, Buddy, that's um, quarterback coach with the uh, Rams out in L.A., um, assistant quarterback coach, and I was talking to him yesterday. He's, this is brand new for them. They're doing all of their Skype meetings. They're trying to figure out what they're doing with their own guys, how they're going to go about this year. I mean, if you're in that office, how much of a risk are you going to take on somebody? Are you going to say, hey, there's an Ohio State pedigree here? Let's not overthink this thing. It's an unprecedented year. Let's make the call, move on. Um, that's a really good point that I hadn't really thought about.
3: Yeah, it's really going to benefit like a guy like Malik, right? So if you look at Malik, you know, 6'4", 250 pounds, like he's that type of guy that, you know, hey, are we a three four? Are we a four three? Could he be a Sam? Could he be an outside backer? Could we put him on the inside? Will he help on special teams? You know, he ran a four, six, six at the combine. He probably would have ran better at pro day, but you don't, but you don't have that. Right. And there's some guys that probably didn't run at the combine. Maybe they were injured or whatever, but he already has that time. So they have to put all of this, you know, all the knowledge that they have as the best they can together. And then they're going to look like, all right, this guy contributed for four years. Here's what he is. Here's his size. And again, for a guy, the middle round guys, for Ohio State is who this is really going to benefit the most, right? Because then you look at a guy like Damon Arnett, who, you know, um, Jeff Okuda has been talking about for a long time about one of the best corners in this draft. Well, they're going to be looking at film, right? They're going to be looking at, okay, what did Ohio State's defense do? Number one defense in the country. Here's how this guy contributed with a broken hand or wrist or whatever it was, right? So we'll take a chance on him, um, The other one, too, that I didn't mention, there's two. K.J. Hill, and you can talk about this more, Dane. Could he be the next Terry McLaurin, right? Potentially. You know, look at his route runnings and the stuff that he was doing um, in, like, the senior bowl and that. And then the one that we always talked about on this show, and that's Davon Hamilton. Again, I love him because he's a two-star guy. He's from Central Ohio. Immediate impact from that type of interior guy, right? He kind of reminds me of, like, an old-school New England Patriot, like somebody that just lost some people that wants to go find value in the middle rounds with a guy that's proven, that's been an anchor there on the defensive line at Ohio state's been very, very productive that could go and plug in and be, you know, that three technique or that nose guard at the next level, where does he fit in? So to me in this draft, that middle, those middle round guys second to fourth round is where you're going to see a lot of guys taken from Ohio state.
0: Berm, who are you keeping
2: your eye on this week? I think it's J.K. Dobbins the most. I'm just, with him, it's so much, and everyone, it's about fit and how you fit into a program, you know, style-wise. But J.K. showed a lot of of versatility, a lot of durability, which I think is a question for him coming into this season. Um, Obviously, you know that he's extremely explosive, but the the difference that uh, there was in J.K. Dobbins between the sophomore year and junior year, I, I think that, We've barely begun to see where he's able to go, um, and on a on a larger level, I just think the most interesting part of this transition is watching guys who go from being a part of the Ohio State machine, right? Which is the the, the Ohio State program is is promoting you. The Ohio State program is helping build your brand. I just I'm always interested to watch guys like Chase Young and Jeffrey Okuda um, to see how they now take their brand by themselves, and you start to see them. Uh, get a lot more comfortable in being their own people because Ohio state is so regimented and you're so part of the brotherhood and the team and the NFL and professional sports is about promoting yourself in, in most ways. And I, I'm always interested to watch how that happens. And you see on chase on his social media, all the rappers he's hanging out with and being at Laker games and doing this and doing
1: that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's a pretty, I just think it's great to watch these kids take, control of their own brand um, and that, that's something that I just uh, maybe I'm a nerd for it but I just I'm interested in watching how they develop um, now because Ohio State insulates you so much in a lot of those ways that it's just cool to see where they
0: go and that already started happening you know with Jeff Okuda at the combine people saw that give and take with the reporter who who accused Akuda of playing uh, sloppy coverage last year he I mean, said, cut that tape on again. Like, that isn't the kind of soundbite that we normally got from Jeff Okuda on the record because, you know, Ohio State guys know uh, what they should and shouldn't say in public, you know, when they're part of that team, and he didn't want the attention on himself. But, you know, he's out there then, and as you said, burn taking charge of his own self-promotion, and he wasn't going to let that, that slight against him stand. The no-pass interference calls last year, uh, the best, you know, defensive – passer rating allowed on him all year. He was the best cornerback. I can't believe still that he didn't win the Thorpe Award, but he's going to be rich on Thursday, so I guess it doesn't really matter.
3: Well, I mean, you know, the one thing that's crazy is how can these Ohio State guys go to the NFL and produce the way they're doing when all they're doing is doing tug-of-war with tires and <laughs> red drills every single day? Right they like, right? Hits. What does that mean? You know, because you guys brought to my attention, some slap dick was talking about how they don't do type of progressive overload principle or conjugate method. Like these are tried and true, scientifically based things, and all Ohio State does is roll around on mats and and you know do tire tug of war. I don't even know how Chase Young's even qualified <laughs> to be the number two pick in the draft.
0: It's crazy I, talk. I knew I shouldn't have even brought it up to get you going on that. We I know we, <laughs> we've had we've had some people take uh, Ohio State uh, social media, mat drill videos, and think that that's the entirety of the weight program. And I thought a former strength coach uh, under Mick Mirati might really appreciate the insight that, Hey, he's been doing it wrong the whole time. Oh, I can't
1: believe that. Is that what you're getting fired up
0: about? I didn't hear about Uh, it. They
3: told told me about this and I'm like, all right, how many head strength coaches are around the country that Mick Mickey Murati has, you know, taught like, okay, there's a lot. Of them at major big time programs, uh, and obviously Ohio State and what they've done. Yeah, they're probably doing something right, and it's not just mad drills, right? And um, but you know what? Here's the thing, though. Even the mad drills, what does it do? Is it, Burn kind of talked about them taking their brand? Well, mad drills are about you being able to show your brand to your teammates, right? When called upon, will you respond? And so they're controlling that environment by creating events that make you have to strain before you actually have to go out on Saturdays and strain and execute for your teammates. Right? So that's what they do. And all of these guys that are out there, like they understand that. And that's why you're seeing their ability to produce at the next level, not because of mad drills, not just because of the weight room, but they have been totally developed at Ohio state into what Berm was talking about. You have this brand that Ohio State helps you build, and now they're able to take that and grow that because that is becoming – it's a business in and of itself, right? Like guys can make money off of their image and likeness and things that they promote on social media, but now they have a platform when they leave Ohio State that we never had, Dane and I, when we were playing, right? So it's just one of the things that Ohio State sets you up for success down the road that these guys can can capture. But they are ready. And Terry McLaurin has said this from day one. When he stepped in to a locker room for the Washington Redskins, he was prepared, more prepared than any other rookie that was there or that he met at any other training things that he was doing in the offseason. He was prepared. He understood his routine. He understood what it meant to be a pro because Ohio State is ran very similarly to
2: a pro program, period. Dane, I'm curious, for you as a guy who – who, uh, you know, played under Jim Trestle, um and then went to the NFL. And then, as you said, bounced around a little bit. And before coming back to Columbus, how much of an opportunity did you have to really um, see what was going on in, in Urban Meyers, Ohio State? And recently, I mean, what have you, what is the biggest difference or two that you noticed in the time that you were away from when, when you were there?
1: I didn't get a chance to follow it that much I mean pretty much urban's whole time there I was in my own training camps off seasons and everything I would get back every once in a while um of course there's differences I mean and if you're considering this still urban Ohio State or this is now Ohio State there's probably a mix in there um there's always differences in culture um you know it was different for me because Ohio State was so much the the people it wasn't the Woody Hayes Center and I, just, I didn't personally have those strong relationships with the new coaches that came in or the new strength right. activity. So I didn't even really get an up-close and personal look at it. Um, I got the look that most fans got and was an impressive look, and that was just watching them in games. Um, I'm admittedly more of a casual fan than you would think, so I would just see it you know, on, on the weekends, on Saturdays, um, and they're doing something right. And I think to kind of what Schlegel was saying is there's a, of course like mat drills and all that stuff is not the reason for greatness, but there's also not a strength program and he'll be able to speak to this way better than I will. But it's as much at that level, it's as much of an art as it is a science. These guys aren't lab rats that, you know, you're going to, there's intangible things that you're trying to get out of some of these workouts, drills, whatever it may be um, that, they're not trying to be the best at exercise, you know, as Kenny powers would say, it's, they're, they're, they're trying to win football games and they're trying to build and prove things to their teammates. There's, there's workouts we did. And Schlage knows, Schlage knows he was there that had just nothing to do with, you know, sprinting. You, you could convince yourself, I guess, that it physically translated, but these were mental drills. These were finding out who's who in the locker room, who's going to be your leader, who you are turning to? And whether you're internalizing that or not, when you're at an away game at Penn State at halftime, it's guys remember, like you remember whatever those workout drills were and you remember who you're going to lean on in those times. Um, I think that's something within the program that has been built in through, through Trestle, through Urban, I assume now with Coach Day, um, that does translate to the next level because when you've built that confidence you do carry that with you. You, when you, when you're a guy going in the draft now, you've proven it to yourself. You've proven it to your teammates, you know, and now, like you said, this is your own brand. You're going off on your own. Well, you don't get to take much with you besides that, that set and that ball of confidence is a big one to take into the NFL. Cause it, it's a tough league. It's a tough business. Everybody's the best of the best. If you don't, they certainly don't believe in you when you're walking in you better when you're a rookie. I mean even if you're a first rounder maybe the first few picks they still, the other guys in the locker I'm like okay yeah let let okay we'll see <laughs> it, it's that's that's one of the most that's one of the biggest gifts Ohio State can give to players going into the draft is knowing that they earned that confidence through all the whatever drills training sessions the tough games the big games um be having no real life in college it's tough it is it is a grind. but they just and but here's your here's your confidence here at least for me that's how it worked now some guys that's some guys have to prove it to themselves some guys are born with it the born with it is very small amount of people most people they have to see that they can do it um and I think that'll be a huge one for a lot of these guys and that's probably why you've seen so Many guys in recent years step into the NFL and say, okay, I've done this. I can do this.
0: That's yep. a, a big opportunity for, for this batch of Buckeyes starting Thursday. We'll be following that at Letterman Row. Uh, as we wind down here on Letterman Live brought to you by Roosters, I was going to take a page. I was on uh, the fan a week or two ago, Schlags with your boy, Matty Ice, and he threw this at me, and I thought, I'm going to steal this idea. I'm going to ask it to you guys on Letterman Live. He said, you've got – all right, tweaking it in a little bit. It's, you've got fourth and five and you can draft any Ohio State quarterback and any one wide receiver to get you the conversion. Um, and, Berm, I know that you'll draft somebody, and it'll be worse than my pick. That's just a weekly staple of this show. I'm yeah,
2: gonna, I mean, I want to be consistent.
0: I'm going to start uh, with you then, Berm. You've got any quarterback and any wide receiver in Ohio State history. Who's getting you the first down? Uh,
2: Troy Smith to Chris Carter.
0: That is pretty good.
2: I'll show my age.
0: <laughs> any any other contenders? Are you just going to spit that out and move on?
2: Uh, I would also probably consider a, a Dwayne Haskins to a Terry Glenn combination. Because Terry Glenn in 1995 was the single best year I've ever seen a receiver have at Ohio State. Um, but then I would also – Working a, a Justin Fields to uh, David Boston, also probably in that combination. So so Taking a lot of people off for five yards. yards. Yeah. Well, because Justin Fields could run it for five. And so, you know, and then Boston could just be the
0: lead blocker. <laughs> uh, at yeah, point. just a
1: quick screen.
0: Dane, you got to bet on yourself, or you got a, you're picking somebody else to get that first down for you? No, I mean
1: I would bet on myself in the moment, but in all of State <laughs> history, that would be that would be silly. Uh, <laughs> I would all I, first off the top of my head was Troy Smith. Um, I would go Troy to Terry Glenn though too, and just that, that watching him a little bit. I and he was obviously way before my time, but in my free time, I would kind of go back and try to see who were the guys that were here before and there was even some old footage in like the uh dv sport or whatever the complex they would keep like old clips of old guys in there that you could go watch and yes when he is probably the 95 season his ability to get off the line in his his first step if you needed five yards you know i'm taking that guy getting open i'm sure i mean I'm taking a lot of them, but that's the first one that kind of pops in, into my head.
2: Plus, Ohio State used to run slants a lot, and mm-hmm. so Terry Glenn was unbelievable running a, a slant, and that was like the go-to play. So uh, if, you've, if Buckeye fans out there haven't had a chance to watch that season, just look up Terry Glenn highlights from 1995 because you'll never see a receiver have a year like he did at Ohio State ever again.
0: Schlegs, who's getting your first down? Well, Troy,
3: Troy's Troy's is my guy. So Troy's there, um, and then, you know, having coached and witnessed Michael, I would pick Michael Thomas. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, he's okay. Yeah, yeah, he's just okay, you know. But I mean, like we, the, the hardest thing is as of late, right? We've had such depth at the wide receiver position, and the offense was a little bit different to where, especially with j t like he didn't really necessarily have the stats that a Terry Glenn did, but his ability was always there, right I mean i just I used to go into the facility and there was Michael Thomas like catching balls through this zone six thing all by himself, you know and and then all of a sudden, I'd come back out and he had brought a couple other guys with him, and Evan Spencer was there, and guys were working on the same thing, but he was there for like two hours, you know so one being able to catch it, but Troy, different level. One having played with him, but yeah, I mean, again, he could run it, he could pass it, but that combination to me is is dynamite.
0: I think in a couple of years we might be ready to all change our answer to to Justin Fields at quarterback. He's on that track right now, but for me, I, I can't change what I said on that show a week ago. I think Dwayne Haskins, in terms of pure passing ability, uh, is the best that Ohio State has ever had and I'm also with you, Schlegs, that can't guard Mike. Um, he didn't necessarily have the production with Ohio State that you know matches up this otherworldly level he's got with the Saints, but you could see that potential in him all along, and I think there was one notable slant berm that he got to run against Michigan State in that game, you know, JT on the run, and he took it to house, and people were like, well, why didn't that happen more often? Like, that seems like a pretty easy pitch and catch that could work. Um, not that Ohio State's having trouble scoring points or whatever, but that did exist. So that's in my mind. Mike Thomas could get that slant and, and do more than just get the first down. I think you just
2: proved, though, that you were the only guy here that wasn't living in Ohio and watching Ohio State football in 2005 to 2006 because what Troy Smith was able to do on every play was, was very different than people – because we're, we're, we're all very um, – you know, we're we're all kind of slaves to recent history, and that's the way things go. We're all, uh, but Troy Smith was ridiculous. just, I'm just ridiculous.
0: That, I'm not. That's not a slight on Troy Smith. He was so good.
1: <laughs> he's he's so offended good. that you would you would not pick him. That's not that it's I'm, a slight, but it's offensive.
2: That's and fine. The, hey, fact I'm, is, I'm not, the fact is, he he won game. We're not going to He was Troy Smith. Embrace debate. In, Troy Smith is the reason that guys like Justin Fields exist and thrive now in, in the offenses around the country. He was incredible. And the thing about Troy Smith that people seem to – I don't know that they forget. Troy Smith was an incredible passer. Like, the guy threw the, uh, an unbelievable football, as the Ains could probably attest to.
1: I actually didn't get to play with him, unfortunately. But yes. you, you, you had
2: to play catch with him at some point, right? Never.
1: No, he was out oh before God. I got there. Yeah, yeah, we don't just meet up on the weekends, former guys. You don't the oh, old skin yeah. around now. Well, I, I would have assumed our...
2: that the Ted Ginn bus tour would have led you to Troy Smith.
0: No, firm <laughs> came through with a lot of assumptions today, and they all fell flat. That's I... you hate to see it.
3: Hey, I all mean, I know is this: they, they had the they had the oh uh, five Michigan game on there when Gonzo caught that one ball right, that, that ended up helping us win the game. But there was a lot of plays like that that Troy did in the bird's point. Like, we were right there in that Vince Young time, right, kind of like um, – oh, dadgummit, uh, I just had a brain fart. Um, the guy from the Carolina Panthers that –
0: Cam Newton.
3: Uh, yeah, Cam Newton. Like, bigger type guys, right? They're not really necessarily the passer. They're like a combo of, you know, guy that can – throw the ball decently, but can run and get you the first down. And they're a bigger type set guy, but Troy was more athletic and quick, but a better passer. And so then that kind of led to like what you're talking about, this Justin field hybrid. Now he's a bigger than Troy is right. And he can still throw the ball, but he can also get you the first down. Don't necessarily have to rely on his feet to necessarily move the chains, can do it in a variety of different ways. And then you surround him like we had in, um, you know, oh five. I mean, you had Gonzo, you had Santonio, you had Teddy Ginn Jr., like, you know, and that's what they're starting to build here at Ohio State, a year after year after year of this wide receiver core, this quarterback. And and the beauty is we can we can change our offense to to match the talent that we have, right? And you saw that um you know, with Dwayne Haskins, right? He's a passer. He wasn't going to go get your first down like JT can. But then as soon as he's out of the mix and now in the NFL, and I think he's going to have a really good NFL career. And to your point, Austin, we could be talking about him being that guy from a passer standpoint. But now you have Justin Fields and the difference that our offense will look even this year compared to last year when you had a running back and an offensive line that they had to be able to run the football, what that's going to look like so we now have a unique ability to allow our coaches to actually coach but not be stuck into just a system, right, but be able to have a system that is adaptable to the talent that we are bringing in because, to Berm's point, in the recruiting side, it is the talent, right, and we have an abundance of it at Ohio State because of who we are and what they have done from all the years that Dane played, I played, the Trestle, the Cooper era, Urban Meyer era, and now the Ryan Day area to where they are having an abundance of talent without even coming onto campus, right, because of our coaching staff to want to come play for the Ohio State University.
0: Yeah, pretty good options to choose from. But when everyone tells me I'm wrong, that means that I'm going to end the show and that we're going to move on to next week. Uh, Appreciate Dane joining us for the first time, hopefully uh, the first of many, here at uh, Letterman Row with us, Anthony Schlegel, the difference you know him. Jeremy Birmingham. I am just Austin Ward. This has been Letterman Live brought to you by Roosters. We'll see you next week.
2: Bye-bye.